Did anyone die? Did anyone get hurt from the coronavirus? This is Dante from New York, from being the operative word. Because who the fuck wants to live in an overpriced apartment, surrounded by normies, curfews in place, in a police state? I'm in a village by the sea, tuning in to TNG. There exists also scientific proofs that the Swiss are an entirely different species. Switzerland is the basal pharaoh. You know, it's like a cancer in the middle of Europe, and it is a cancer. There's a high concentration of for Europe alien skull forms. It's beginning of the century. We destroyed this earth. Now there is no food, no water, no future. Cancer, a black cancer, you can see that, a black cancer in the middle of our Europe. It's the century. And Switzerland is the base of Pharaoh. Alien skull forms. The human race is The Swiss are definitely not what we think they are, with all their looted gold and their Swiss short heads. of man. Welcome to the Civilization Podcast. Here is your host, TNG. Okay, welcome to episode six. And with me today, I have a recurring guest with Salzburg Gold back here to join me. Uh, hello, hello. Good to be back. Oh, yes, Joy. Good to see you again, mate. Obviously, you were on the, the Civilization podcast, and it's good to have you back, mate. It really is. So, yeah, we were just uh, talking about the origins of mankind and all sorts. So, and uh, obviously, the origin of America as well. We'll carry on our little conversation as we was. Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, you know, starting with America, the average American, they go through school. <laughs> it's just a po- bunch of powdered wigmen that, uh, they come to this new country. They have a lot of wealth. Uh, where did that wealth come from? Well, well, well that question's never really asked. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then, then you learn that they're rich landowners that have slaves. But at, at the same time, uh, in people's belief system, that they, they actually gave us freedom somehow. So you, that sounds like some 1984 freedom is slavery crap. And then... Um, with with the stroke of a pen, they're able to create laws that somehow apply to everybody. And 
Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it, that just made me think right now, like, yeah, language is, is probably like the earliest form of control because it like narrows your range of thought and it, it takes symbol, it takes things in reality and condenses it to, you know, a series of letters that create a word that expresses the meaning. But the fact that you had to create a word for that phenomenon in reality it's already lost a bit of its uh, meaning along the way. It's quite, it's interesting, isn't it, that so you have a language, so if we say the English language that has been dispersed throughout certain countries, and obviously now it's basically the, the language of business all around the world, no matter, no matter really which country you're in, it's used today. And for me, though, what, what the one thing that's very noticeable from looking at literature from the 17 and 1800s and to today, that even though the vocabulary and grammar and everything else is still fairly large today, it was, I think, a lot larger, a lot, there was more to it back in the day so back when the found when the founding fathers founded the united states and people's grammar and people's vocabulary were on the main i think a lot uh, a lot they had a lot more depth to their vocabulary and, and their and their written abilities than the, than they do today absolutely yeah because like think about it when you talk about language like it, I, when i say this whole civilization how it starts with language is because language how do i put this it because it's like a like you're taking something in reality and you're creating a symbol for it so it loses meaning and with that that has control so when they thought even though the language hadn't been uh you know dumbed down in the founding fathers days the fact that people are you know using the printing press and following an alphabet language that you know that puts that it has the ability to create a spell, you know, because like you have to spell words out. And then the fact that we call it spell can put you under a spell. I probably didn't explain that very well, but do you see what I'm saying? No, no, it's, uh, you're right. Yeah. It all ties in. It's like, it's, it, it's embedded in the language itself. So like a lot of people here, like they have a really good grasp with the English language and that's a part of escaping the control grid. And then when you said that, they had a lot more sophisticated grammar than today. It's absolutely true. And, you know, since, since this whole civilization, it, it's basically, it's, it's a control grid. And, um, you know, as you've seen over time, uh, language has to be reduced because that's part of control. If you reduce language, you're reducing the range of thought as well. So it, it's all like tied into uh, together. Exactly. And then again, going back to our mate, old George Orwell, this is exactly what he wrote about a wonderful book and the new speak and, and reducing the vocabulary down. And, and clearly what we see on social media and texting through the technology and all that kind of thing, it all plays its part into reducing the language. So, And I think we might, we might have touched on, I'm sure we did actually touch on some of this before on your podcast. But Yeah, but we've never, I, I don't think we've kind of approached as like language is like, you know, written language is probably the inception or probably close to the beginning of like the whole control grid. Yeah, but I think it makes common sense, doesn't it? When you when you really think about it, that, with the invention of the printing press, really was the the invention of civilization. How, how could the Roman Empire have done what they did? 
without having the ability to disseminate the the written word or the you know the communication around and and then when they disseminate the written word that's they can control you can also control the discussion with that and the all the talking points obviously it's not as refined as it is today but <laughs> i'm sure it it was still going on in that day for sure well, it's it's pretty it's pretty obvious to me that uh, the Roman Empire was a is was a one big fat hoax. So there's there's no way you know the to, from my work go, looking into the law, the twelve tables where where law supposed to originate. You know you, you can it's so obvious. You know again I'm going back it, it goes back to Germany. So it's always the Germans. The Germans are always there floundering around in the background, and obviously the old uh, a lot of the uh, the British establishment as well going into the the early 19th century and obviously the french as well paid their part in it but it was it was really the germans that that uh, really geared it all up with the printing press so i mean obviously we're told the time around the the printing press came out what was it the 1400s yeah it pretty much makes sense doesn't it you know that especially when we look at what we're told are ancient um, documents and things like this you know copies of copies and all this or, or when they what the archaeologists find now tends to be fragments they always find a fragment of something because it's easy to make a fragment but then they can sell that fragment of, of whatever document for hundreds of thousands of dollars <laughs> to some gullible idiot in a museum but uh, you know it's just an industry but uh, yeah, going back to the actual dissemination of newspapers per se and things like this, you know, it's controlling perceptions, controlling the perception of the people. So without without that ability, there's no way prior to that printing press being out, it just couldn't have been done on on the scale of a civilization. So there's just no way, absolutely no way. What? How the hell? How how would that would have been possible? You know, even across somewhere as like the UK, how would that have been possible in the UK and across America? You got absolutely no chance. It's vast, <laughs> and Australia as well. You know, there's absolutely no chance. How would you manage to guide the perceptions of, of a, a population? Well, okay, then that could you could talk about religion. Then that's when you'd use like a you know a local church or something. That would um, that would also be uh, an old form of uh, control because it's uh, it. It can be more localized, and it's not. It doesn't. You don't have the issue of distribution like a newspaper. You know, the, the controller's favorite tool is fear. Obviously, it's not an extent today. You know, you got to fear uh, <laughs> the virus, fear the riots, and God knows how many things you can fear in America. But you know, religion would play on fears uh, tied to morality. Probably, like, you know, you got to buy this uh, Bible if you want to go to heaven. I'm, I'm sure a lot of schemes like that were ployed. Well, the, the thing for me, though, Esther, is, is that it's a good story. That is a good story, isn't it? But <laughs> it appears that uh, most likely that the Gutenberg Bible, which was first printed in Germany, was the original Bible. So what were they preaching before that time? <laughs> 
<laughs> in these churches. It's, it's almost it's almost too good to be true, to be honest. I think that very thought that there were churches all over the place and missionaries go on about the what the Pilgrim Fathers and prior to that, you know, all this structure of, of church and, and everything else. And I think it's, to me, where is the actual evidence that that actually was what was happening? prior to then it's almost like time started when that printing press started rolling and from that point on all the things we think we know from prior prior to that you know they're just concepts that were put into those books that were printed in the printing press and believe me those germans mate they were they were clever bastards without doubt you know they they really did uh, tell some ripping yarns yeah I guess it also makes people like, because the law and government is, it, it's really just an abstraction. It's not like a concrete thing, so to speak. So I, I guess those could be used as tools to, in those days to make people even like take notice of it. Because you have to give it your attention first before, uh, you know, people start actually following it. It's like, how do you, how, how do you convince people that, because, you know, I, I started my full-time job recently. I'm like, how do you, how do you convince people that working from sun up to sundown, just doing grunt work, and then you know having your labor skimmed off the top of you in the form of taxes and whatnot, like this is in your best interest to do? How do you bring a people or a society to that point? You know, a lot. I, I, I'm sure you have the like force and deception were used to really condition people to that point and. I totally agree with what you're saying, but I think this still goes back to what we touched on in our little pre-call. And I think that what the way that that was achieved was through seeding places. So, and seeding places with children, that's the only way really that I see the easy way to achieve that is to just take a few thousand children, have a few adults guiding them, and telling them this is how it is, teaching them uh, and everything, and, and from there, actually starting from the scratch. And to me, I think that's kind of what seems to have happened, to be honest. Uh, yeah, that, that, that seems to make sense, because it's like if you start young and you, you know, the, the initial seed that's planted is, is a false idea, and then when they grow up and mature, their whole perception is going to be revolved. It's going to be based on a bunch of false ideas that were planted in them. So they, um, it'd be very difficult to conceptualize anything outside of it. Well, you, you control their inf their information at the beginning. Then world's your oyster, isn't it? You can have them believe in absolutely anything, absolutely any anything. And, you know, trick, What's that flipping film, isn't it? With the when they, when they've got the uh, the people, the kids in the in the flipping village. It's called the village. Is the the village when they've they've got the kids and they're telling them there's monsters on the outside of the village and all this kind of thing. And the guide guide they're like a mini civilization of their own uh, in the middle of nowhere. The perceptions of children from a young age to then going, you know, having the next generation to the next generation they're just they're just gonna there's no holds barred on on what you could have and believe is there it really isn't and 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 everyone that's like you know I'm, I'm sure like you and myself and others listening it's it's until you really started questioning and looking further behind this the story and what you're told before that that's when you after a lot of um working your uh you know your your mental muscles you you, you can you know, you build up enough strength and you, you, you kind of get to the point where you're like, oh, wait a minute. 
you you can um, start to see the horizon. Because like this civilization hoax, it's uh, it's really big, man. It's like it's such a thick, deep, broad, wide conspiracy that it, it's like you can't see it, and you can only see like you know all these different different little parts of it, and you start to build up a bigger image. But when you think about the average person out there, it's like they're they're just a fish in the fishbowl, and you're 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 trying to describe that like the water and everything around them. But yeah, they're just never going to get it. It's the tactics as well used by the people in so-called authority as well. You know, I, I, just earlier I was watching somebody had posted. Uh, I think it was AP actually who'd, who'd posted the British Prime Minister's speech at the UN. The General Assembly will hear an address by His Excellency Boris Johnson, Prime Minister of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. May I request protocol to escort His Excellency. Thank you. Mr. President, Your Excellencies, ladies and gentlemen, faithful late-night audience, it's, uh, it's customary for the British Prime Minister to come to this United nations and pledge to advance our values and defend our rules, uh, the rules of a peaceful world, uh, protecting freedom of navigation in the Gulf, to persevering in the vital task of achieving a two-state solution in the conflict in the Middle East. And of course, I'm proud to do all these things. But no one can ignore a gathering force that is reshaping the future of every member of this assembly. There has been nothing like it in history. No one can ignore a gathering force that is reshaping the future of every member of this assembly. There has been nothing like it in history. When I think of the great scientific revolutions of the past, print, the steam engine, aviation, the atomic age, I think of new tools that we acquired, but over which we, the human race, had the advantage, which we controlled, and that is not necessarily the case in the digital age. You may keep your secrets from your friends, from your parents, your children, your doctor, even your personal trainer, but it takes real effort to conceal your thoughts from Google. From Google. And if that is true today, in future, there may be nowhere to hide. Smart cities will pullulate with sensors all joined together by the Internet of Things. Bollards communing invisibly with lampposts, so there is always a parking space for your electric car, so that no bin goes unemptied, no street unswept, and the urban environment is as antiseptic as a Zurich pharmacy. But this technology could also be used to keep every citizen under round-the-clock surveillance. But this technology can also be used to keep every citizen under round-the-clock surveillance. A future Alexa will pretend to take orders, but this Alexa will be watching you, clucking her tongue and stamping her foot. In future, voice connecti connectivity will be in every room and almost every object. Your, your mattress will monitor your nightmares, your fridge will beep for more cheese, your front door will sweep wide the moment you approach like some silent butler, your 
smart meter will go hustling of its own accord for the cheapest electricity and every one of them minutely transcribing your every habit in tiny electronic shorthand stored, not in their chips or in their innards, nowhere you can find it, but in some great cloud of data that lowers ever more oppressively over the human race. Some great cloud of data that lowers ever more oppressively over the human race. A giant dark thundercloud waiting to burst, and we have no control over how or when the precipitation will take place. And every day that we tap on our phones or work on our iPads, as I see some of you are doing now, we not only leave our indelible spoor in the ether, but we are ourselves becoming a resource, click by click, tap by tap, just as the Carboniferous period created the indescribable wealth, leaf by decaying leaf, of hydrocarbons, data is the crude oil of the modern economy. And we're now in an environment where we don't know who should own these new oil fields. We don't know who should have the rights or the title to these gushers of cash. And we don't know who decides how to use that data. And can these algorithms be trusted with our lives and hopes? Should the machines and only the machines decide whether or not we are eligible for a mortgage or insurance or what surgery or medicines we should receive? Are we doomed to a cold and heartless future in which computer says yes or computer says no with the grim finality of an emperor in the arena? How do you plead with an algorithm? How do you get it to see extenuating circumstances? And how do we know that the machines have not been insidiously programmed to fool us or even to cheat us? And how do we know that the machines have not been insidiously programmed to fool us or even to cheat us? We're already uh, using all kinds of messaging services that offer instant communication at minimal cost. And these same programs, platforms, could also be designed for real-time censorship of every conversation with offending words automatically deleted. Indeed, in some countries, this happens today. Digital authoritarianism is not, alas, the stuff of dystopian fantasy, but of an emerging reality. And the reason I'm giving this speech today with this slightly gloomy proem is that the UK is one of the world's tech leaders. And I believe governments have been simply caught unawares by the unintended consequences of the internet. A scientific breakthrough far more reaching in its everyday psychological impact than any other invention since Gutenberg. And when you consider how long it took for books to come into widespread circulation, the arrival of the internet is far bigger than print, it's bigger than the atomic age, but it's like nuclear power in that it's capable of both good and harm. And of course, it's not alone. As new technologies seem to race towards us, from the far horizon, we strain our eyes as they come to make out whether they are for good or bad, friends or foes. AI, what will it mean? Helpful robots washing and caring for an aging population or pink-eyed terminators sent back from the future to cull the human race? Pink-eyed terminators sent back from the future to cull the human race.
What will synthetic biology stand for? Restoring our livers and our eyes with miracle regeneration of the tissues like some fantastic hangover cure? Or will it bring terrifying limbless chickens to our tables? Will nanotechnology help us to beat disease or will it leave, leave tiny robots to replicate in the crevices of our souls? It is a, a trope as old as literature that any scientific advance is punished by the gods. When Prometheus brought fire to mankind in a tube of fennel, as you may remember, with his brother Epimetheus, Zeus punished him by chaining him to a Tartarian crag while his liver was pecked out. I talked about a hangover cure. His liver was pecked out by an eagle, an eagle and every time his liver regrew, the eagle came back and pecked it again. And this went on forever. A bit like the experience of Brexit <laughs> in the UK. If some of our parliamentarians had their way. In fact, it was a standard poetic practice to curse the protos hurites, the person responsible for any scientific or technical breakthrough. If only they had never invented the ship, then Jason would never have sailed to Colchis and all sorts of disasters would never have happened. And it's a deep human instinct to be wary of any kind of technical pro progress. In 1829, they thought that the human frame would not withstand the speeds attained by Stevenson's rocket. And there are today people who are still actually anti-science. A whole movement called the anti-vaxxers. Today, people who are still actually anti-science. A whole movement called the anti-vaxxers. Who refuse to acknowledge the evidence that vaccinations have eradicated smallpox and who by their prejudices are actually endangering the very children they want to protect. And I totally reject this anti-scientific pessimism. I'm profoundly optimistic about the ability of new technology to serve as a liberator and to remake the world wondrously and benignly. Indeed, in countless respects, technology is already doing just that. Nanotechnology, I mentioned earlier. Revolutionizing medicine by designing robots a fraction of the size of a red blood cell capable of swimming through our bodies, dispensing medicine and attacking malignant cells like some Star Wars armada. Neural interface technology is producing a new generation of cochlear implants allowing the gift of hearing to people who would otherwise not be able to hear the voices of their own children. A London technology company has worked out how to help the blind to navigate more freely with nothing more than an app on their smartphones. New technologies produced in Britain helping the deaf to hear and the blind to see. And we used to think that printing was something that you did to run off a boarding card. Now a British company has used 3D printing to make an engine capable of blasting a rocket in space. In a rocket in space. A rocket 
in space. A rocket in space. African countries, millions of people without bank accounts can now transfer money using a simple app. They can buy solar energy and leave in one transaction. No electricity to feed power. And new advances are making renewable energy ever cheaper, aiding our foreign struggle against climate change. Our understanding of the natural world is being transformed by genome sequencing, discovering the very essence of life itself, the secret genetic code animates the spirit of every living being and allows medical breakthroughs about which we have never known. Treatments tailored to the precise genetic makeup of the individual. So far, we have discovered the sequence of less than 0.3% of complex life on the planet. Think what we will achieve, what we will achieve when. And it is a matter of when. We understand 1% or 2%, let alone 5% or 10%. But how? How we design the emerging technologies behind these breakthroughs and what values inform their design will shape the future of humanity. That is my point to you tonight, my friends, excellencies. At stake is whether we bequeath an Orwellian world designed for censorship and oppression and control or a world of emancipation, debate, and learning, where technology threatens famine and disease, but not our freedoms. Seven decades ago, this General Assembly adopted the Universal Declaration of Human Rights with no dissenting voices, uniting humanity in the first and perhaps the only time by one set of principles, and our declaration, our joint declaration, upholds freedom of opinion and expression. The privacy of home and correspondence, and the right to see and impart information and ideas. Unless we ensure that new technology reflects this spirit, I fear that our declaration will mean nothing and no longer hold. So, the mission of the United Kingdom, all who share our values, must be to ensure that emerging technologies are designed from the outset for freedom. and regulation, between private enterprise and government oversight. We must insist that the ethical judgments inherent in the design of new technology are transparent to all, and we must make our voices heard more loudly in the standards bodies that write the rules. Above all, we need to agree a common set of global principles to shape the norms and standards 
that will guide the development of emerging technologies. So, and here's the good news. I invite you next year to a summit in London, a wonderful city, where, by the way, it is not raining 94% of the time, and where at one stage when I was mayor of London, or shortly before, uh, we discovered that we had more Michelin-starred restaurants even than Paris, though the French somehow rapidly recovered by a process that I wasn't quite sure was entirely fair. But we still have, by far, in the UK, by far the biggest tech sector, by far the biggest tech sector, fintech, biotech, edtech, menetech, medtech, nanotech, green tech, every kind of tech in London, the biggest tech sector anywhere in Europe, perhaps half a million people working in tech alone. And I hope that you will come there and we will seek to assemble the broadest possible coalition to take forward this vital task, building on all that the UK contribute to this mission as a global leader in ethical and responsible technology. If we master this challenge, and I have no doubt that we can, and then we will not only safeguard our ideals, we will surmount the limits that once constrained humanity and conquered, conquer the perils that once ended so many lives. Together, we will vanquish killer diseases, eliminate famine, protect the environment, and transform our cities. Success will depend, now as ever, on freedom, openness, and pluralism, the formula that not only emancipates the human spirit, but releases the boundless ingenuity and inventiveness of mankind, and which, above all, the United Kingdom will strive to preserve and advance. Excellencies, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for your kind attention. I watched that and then I watched Trump's speech at the UN as well. And you listen to the pair of them and, and they talk like angels, but it's pretty obvious that what they're saying, so they'll say whatever to, to make you people believe what they're saying. And then they'll go and do something else. So their actions don't match their words. It's so easy, isn't it? So if people have a belief in authority, they have a belief in their leaders they think they've democratically elected their leaders and that the leaders are doing things for the good of all when the reality is they're just doing them for themselves and and for a, obviously a small group of people who are obviously controlling them they again the world's the oyster isn't it everybody's been conditioned to virtually worship these prime ministers and presidents and people like this and clearly they're just talking shit so if you'd have heard this speech from Boris, I mean, Trump was bad enough, but Boris Johnson's speech from the UN talking about frigging artificial intelligence, terminators and fucking all sorts of shit. You won't get your head on. You really wouldn't. 
you know, he was he was really coining all the all the fears that everybody could possibly have in the in the uh, truth community about vaccines, anti-vaxxers, they are the enemy, and all this kind of shit. He was really, really wound it up. He really did, and that was to the U the United Nations. That was. <laughs> so we talked about uh, seeding ideas at an early age. That's a form of control. We said language is a form of control, and another fantastic tool is uh fear fear is another great form of control uh with the riots now fear the police people fear the big government covid you fear the disease and then you got to fear then the anti-vaxxers fear the vaccine yeah um there's always fucking something to be scared of so yeah and this is the worst one as well mate money we, we'll get to that one step at a time. When, yeah, so it's like, I think with all this stuff, oh my God, when I was, you know, can't go bike ride alone, you might get kidnapped and, you know, by fucking P.O.s and, oh, you can't ride without your helmet, you know, fear of getting hurt. Like, you, there's so many, like, things that America, obviously Americans are afraid of that I, I feel like at some point there's some sort of, like, fear paralysis. Like, they like, they they're just kind of, they won't challenge anything. They won't question anything. They've just been very well indoctrinated and just subjected to all of this fear propaganda that they kind of just get, like, immobilized. Yeah, and, and you're right. They do. Everybody. It, it, and, then they, and then they can watch Donald Trump or Boris Johnson, and they, even if they, the, the contradiction's right in their face, they, they still wouldn't, they're not going to even question it. Right. They wouldn't, like, want to, you know, give up their support or deviate in any sort of way, because then, then they would, you know, that's part of the fear. Even though the fear obviously is a, a massive part of the, of the control, but then also putting these dichotomies in front of you, the British government and the the American government was have been just as bad as each other during the the coronavirus hoax, and both of them, right from the beginning, were saying one thing and then a little bit later saying the opposite. They've done that all the way through. It's also a confusion as well, so you, people don't know which way to turn or what to believe. Or did they even remember? You know, thought they remembered the government saying one thing and now they're saying something else, or did they even say that in the first place? It, it's it's crazy. Absolutely. You know, it's like the mask thing, isn't it? You've got one time somebody like Fauci or whoever comes out and says, oh, no, you, you don't need to wear the mask. There's, there's no problem. You should, in fact, you shouldn't wear a mask. They're going to make you poorly if you wear a mask. And then the next one, the next person saying, you've got to wear a mask, they're man mandated. And it just goes backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. And that's fear as well. But also it's this, it's, it's like a cognitive dissonance, isn't it? It's like it's creating confusion. So, you know, there's not, you can't come to a consensus decision of like how to solve the issue. And it, it just kind of paralyzes, you know, everybody. It's crazy stuff, isn't it? Mad world we live in. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, thinking about, because I've been reading this like sociology book recently, I'm just going to boil it down. You know, we're talking about fear. I guess the opposite we would talk about is love. And yeah, there's a, so, there's probably a severe lack of love in the world that, that also really uh, mobilizes people. Because I think what part of what makes us human is our ability for compassion and expressing emotion. Like a human could express their emotion to any wild animal way better than any wild animal could express their emotion to a human. I guess that's part of our creation. But in this study I was reading from this author, 
he was basically getting to a point, this point, the kids that did not have some sort of maternal love in their very early stages, being, when they come into the world, a lot of those kids, um, had, they suffered from like retardation as opposed to kid, parent, kids that had like a lot of maternal love and attention from their parents. So, I mean, I really boiled, I just really uh, just try to boil the essence down to that, but maybe on a different time we can explore that a bit more. But since we're talking about fear, I, I also think the absence of love and compassion is also very paralyzing. And then, you know, we think about <laughs> just like birth trauma in general, like, holy shit, they take it away from your mom right away. Uh, you're just in, like, you know, separating the babies in a sterile room, just looking up with no stimulation from the environment around you. It's all very damaging. Serious. And it hinders, the, it, it really hinders, like, the mental development of uh, children. The first thing they do as well is they shoot them up with a vitamin K shot or something like that as well. Dry it into them as soon as they come out. It's flipping nuts. Yeah, that's very farm-esque <laughs> factory uh, treatment of uh, humans right there. So I'm sure that's contributing to the problem. Well, the other thing with a, a civilization is this divide and rule thing, isn't it? You know, everything is divide and rule. And I always try and get my head around is the origins of the, the various races around the world. I just, even now, forget the mainstream story of people evolving from different geographical locations i think that the same way we were talking about foundlings as in white children being moved around the, the world I'm, I'm pretty sure in fact again some work that i was looking at was looking into the middle east and how that was set up so it's almost like the arab peoples were seeded that way by the same culprits and the, the whole thing is just a controlled contrived divide and rule tactic so crazy stuff mate really is well i guess to keep it rolling we wanted we talking about money well what, what i meant when i was saying did start was the fear of the fear of the taking the money away because obviously now we we have in in the usa and and the uk as well we have literally millions and millions more people now that are dependent on the state and they all have that they can all have that fear button pressed on them at any time so if we, we do get to the point where the vaccination and things like this are compulsory so i don't say mandatory i say compulsory so being compulsory would be that if you're getting your money from your stat from the state the money that's paying your rent the money that's buying your food and they say you either take this vaccine or you lose that money then that is that's a big fear isn't it it really is so that's where i was coming from with with the fear of money in that respect well what i wanted to say about money is just like it's just, it kind of touches on how much people worship authority because, you know, the reason money has a, a value is because these authorities have blessed it and it's really part of the control grid. Because now, with these, with the, it's like taking, I don't know, I take a rabbit tail to a shaman and he blesses it. And all of a sudden, I believe this rabbit tail is like super special, bring me good luck or something. It, 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 it changes my behavior and money is like a similar thing. It, it, it really uh, can, it's a good modifier of human emotions and it's a way to quantify human energy. <laughs> There's a lot of things, almost every person's job that they go to, if, they're, if, they're, if they weren't getting exchanged these, these talismans, this money, 
I, I guarantee you no one's going to be going. No one would give a damn about doing any of the grunt work. And Damn right. And I guess it's, it's a tool the way to, like, quantify, you know, how do you measure people's labor? <laughs> this is a thing for me, SG, is that with money, so every now and again on my on my YouTube channel, I'll get, probably you have as well, is you, you get the odd normie coming around, coming onto the channel and, and poking. And it's usually about money. that A lot of the questions are, or, or the points are, are raised. And the one thing I've noticed is that the average Joe, one, could never imagine a world without money. But two, they always seem to assign a value to that money. And I mean, you already just said the value is not in the money. The value is the person's labor. And they're obviously getting paid for that hourly rate or, or whatever. That is the value. It's not the money itself. The normal person just cannot conceive of a world with no money at all. Yet, yet it's to me, it, it would be such a simple thing to remove money from a civilization easily without disrupting anything. And it, all it would do would, would be to just give a benefit to society. And that's without the uh, the fact that people are making money from money or loaning money and, and whatever else they do with it, usury and all that kind of thing. Well, you wouldn't have like, you know, winners and losers like, oh, you know, you weren't born in the right family. Oh, you're doing the grunt work, you know, too bad because it, it has to cr create this like inequality that's built into it. So it would uh, it, it would create more of a level playing field without the money. Yeah. Totally. You would just, there would be no, the inequality would just totally disappear out the window. And that's, it really would. That's why it's part of the control grid because it's like, oh, you, you know, can't do a lot of this, you know, in, in the general sense of this conversation, you can't do certain things because money is a, you know, the obstacle in the way and it's like meant to be that way. <laughs> you know, it all, it, it's all about keeping you under control and under fear under tension and just you know just keep working the for keep working the 40 plus hour a week and uh keep turning the hamster wheel i mean the other thing with with money as well is it's the blind acceptance that that it has a value anyway from all the people isn't it again how many conversations and chats i've seen even recently about you know what is money and they go on about the the gold-backed standard being removed and all and all this from the foot to make it fiat currency and yeah we have the silver dollar and the silver pound is where the money kind of started being was actually untarnishable metal but again i think to myself well imagine if civilization was actually collapsing today and you would thought you were really wise in collecting so many triances of silver and triances of gold uh, so you had this shiny coin collection stacked up in a safe in your house food's gone food's gone down and you go out there into the wilderness and people are starting to to grow food again and you go out there with your coins because you've got no knowledge of growing your own food or anything like this and start saying well you know i want to buy some potatoes off you i've got this silver coin oh you know what i mean what are you gonna do with it yeah what, what are you gonna do with the silver coin? yeah he's like what, what value is this yeah what fucking use is it what, what am i supposed to eat this am i no no you know i've got a potato you want to give me a chicken <laughs> fucking piece of, piece of shitty metal what, what's that what use is that so it's all perception again isn't it and 
agreement between people that card for me is well and truly played it would be so easy to just chuck it out the window and not not use money it's and, and people's own labor and just giving their own labor to and a community you know if you wanted to live in a community that is but it, living in a community everybody contributing can you imagine what kind of society you'd have if that's what everybody was doing it's not like today where you got to go to these mega corporations and you got to put 40 hours in just to you know, <laughs> sustain for a couple weeks or something. It's like if you just put 40 hours of work to all of your own needs directly instead of going through all these obstacles, it would go much further for you. Yeah. So what's worse as well is it not only are you going working, you're just sweating blood out for a few pennies, but then 50% plus is being took off you then in taxes, in taxation to the mafia. Beautiful thing. If when the IRS asks you for your taxes, you know, you, you refuse. They're going to fucking start garnishing your check. You don't want to keep listening. All right. They're going to throw you in a fucking cell. You know what I mean? The cops are going to come to your house. That's okay because it's government. If I ask the people in my cul-de-sac where I live, hey, guys, you know, I'm going to start having a fucking neighborhood tax. You better pay up. I'm going to beat your ass. That's called uh, extortion. <laughs> you know that's why they really are a fucking mafia because at the end of the day there's no like moral judgment against all oh, their government all oh, it's okay it's okay because they're government yet if i was to be committing the same act we're going to be using the words extortion and robbery and you know that's immoral so you know you see you see the contradiction there yeah, there's a total one. But at the end of the day, extortion is extortion, no matter who's doing it. And, you know, again, the United States is a fantastic example of this. We all started getting taxed in 1919 after the last reset we had. Oh. This is recent history, mate. This is taxation. Well, what, what? Recent history. What's, what's the authority that they do that thing? Oh, the Constitution that nobody signed <laughs> that, was, that magically applies to us somehow in every state and anywhere you go. Incredible. You agreed to that, though, before you were born. Do you know that? <laughs> you agreed? Yeah. Yeah, I agreed. There's <laughs> one thing I was thinking about earlier as well. Is uh, I was listening to something, and uh, I think it was about like Nazi Germany and this kind of era. And they were talking about the numbers being issued to people. So you know, I'm not just talking about the Jews, but whoever else they were issuing numbers, so that you were no longer you, you were just issued a number. And you then think to yourself, I mean, in, obviously in the UK it's called a, a national insurance number, and you, uh, yours is a social security number, isn't it? That you have, I think. Yep, yep. We're all issued these frigging numbers. This is the same as Nazi Germany was doing to the Jews and whoever else. So you think, well, that we are, as people, very stupid, aren't we, to accept a lot of these things? It's, it's, like, it's unbelievable. It's like our culture is part of, culture is like a part of, slave. like culture kind of is the, you know, slave, foundation of slavery. Because you're so indoctrinated and entrenched in propaganda that you know, Americans will look at like Nazi Germany and be like, oh, we would never be that bad, but it's like in reality, it's like well, you could you could maybe argue it's much worse than that. <laughs> I think it actually is, to be honest. I mean, is it, did, did the Germans lock down their people? <laughs> did they? No, right. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> no, they put them in gas chambers and ovens. <laughs> well, they didn't put their own people in gas chambers and ovens, did they? So, well, depends how you look at it, I suppose. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah you get the point 
Yeah, and, and then you think of culture is basically uh, manufactured and given to you. Our our culture of I don't know microwavable dinner and you know the movie and going out to the bars or all of what all of that uh, nonsense. It's all to just kind of keep you. It's all to keep you on the rope and take it away from you in one fell swoop. <laughs> and everybody just perfectly complies. Not not no sort of resistance whatsoever. That's the thing with what's going on or has been going on, isn't it? Is it, how nuts does it seem that everybody complied to the to the down and the the, the mask wearing to some to mo, mo, you know the big extent and all the all the social distancing and everything else. And then the moment you know we have George Floyd on the telly, then you know it all goes out the window and they're, they're all screaming and protesting and crying. The same as there was was with Greta's army not uh, that long ago either. So it's always it's it's a bit strange, isn't it? How, how these buttons get pushed? And it's like in the whole, it's, you know, every country goes the forty hours. Everybody's you know responding fairly similarly to the buttons pressed by COVID and the riots. And it's like if all if all these people if all these people are doing the same things at this. In, at the same times for the same reasons, like, do these people actually have a mind of their own at the, at this point? Like, <laughs> I I would probably you you should you probably say the the argument support against that. Well, I, I do and I don't. I you know I can see the one I don't. You know, if we're talking about the NPC meme or whatever you want model, whatever you want to call it. No, don't get me wrong. I I can clearly. See that people have been so programmed and degraded, retarded would be the word that I would use. Beyond the pale. So the only thing for me is, is that it's looking at them and knowing that there's there's still people, and it doesn't. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. I I don't I don't think anybody's an MP- I I I don't think it's NPC. I I really think it's trauma. It's all trauma. It's not. They're not NPCs. They've been very traumatized. <laughs> yeah, that that that's my perspective on it. I don't. You know, whether it be lack of maternal love or all the fear that's pushed down them or something. You know, their relationships and their parents and their childhood. Like, there's just so many different things it could be. But I yeah, I, I think these are more traumatized people. Not not so much uh, uh, just like uh, rob. Uh, you know, robotic, not completely. Although I do think, I do think there's an extent of roboticism. I mean, we do certainly people work in offices uh, surrounded by machines and computers and all these mechanical instruments. I I, I do think that that does rub off and uh, some people are very, you know, robotic and mechanical themselves. Well, there's certainly a predictability about people but it's putting your finger on it because at the end of the day people are emotional whether whether they're robots don't have emotion robots have the epitome of a robot is it's logical isn't it it's like a a computer is not based on it has no emotion but people have have emotion no matter how stupid something can set them off but that something is very predictable you can predict what will set them off, and that's down to the programming. Again, it's all in the words. We're talking about the language, aren't we? The programming of people—it's crazy. Just the the word that we're pro- you can program a person would imply that it's a bot, wouldn't it? It's crazy. Yeah, I guess they're not as. I guess in that emotional sense, they're not robotic, but 
when it comes to the uh, severe lack of compassion, that that that's a that that's a bit more robotic. Well, that's that's another discussion again, isn't it? Because again, you can. So I mean, me and Dipey Dipey, we're, we're touching on a few times. Is if we if you go out and talk to people, people have there's different subjects that somebody might you know somebody might be very passionate about not having a vaccine and and that that could be 50 percent got a 50 percent chance pretty much of hitting one of these people that that has actually you know thought about vaccines and and had a bit of a look into it and made the decision out there and somebody will get emotional and will get emotional about that but then you then you talk to them about i don't know 9-11 or science or something else and and again you've got the emotional reaction but it's in a different way. To, it's like a, a negative emotion rather than a, you know, rather than a, a feeling emotion, a, a positive one. And then talking about no emotions, so psychopaths you have it as well. That's a, a lack of empathy for for other people. So not for themselves, but for others. And there's a, there's an awful lot of that. But again, is that a robot? And you couldn't really class that as a robot, could you? Being a psychopath. <laughs> Yeah, maybe robotics not the best uh, term to describe that. But you know, I think the point is still uh, true that it's 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 like less than human, below human. Well, I use the term. So for normally, human is the term. I when I'm talking about anybody else or an aware person, I would just refer to them as man or mankind or womankind. And human is to me is is what man is the hue of the man. It's not human is where the people in civilization have been brought to today they were never human they were always they were man it was mankind and that's my thoughts on it anyway so the, the what is the human then so hue human is, is a hue of a man h-u-e of a man a hue of a man oh, okay you get it yeah it's not it's yeah. not a, it's not a it's it's what you've been lowered to the fall of man well, that yeah, that's, that's what I that's what I thought when I see people doing like the construction on all these roads and bridges. It's like these are the pyramid builders. That these would be the so-called pyramid builders of ancient, just you know, working tirelessly and endlessly to construct the edifice. When in in no way, like how, like I said, like how do you convince somebody that forty plus hours of this like hard labor is in their best interest. Uh, you know, very strange to see uh, everybody accepting it. <laughs> I suppose it's all the goodies, and nowadays, since this probably, what, the 1950s and, and whatever, you've had all these sparkly, sparkly things that you can buy with your, with your credits, and it's kind of a, an added incentive. It's not just about living, is it, or existing, even though that's pretty much all, all most of us do do anyway in reality, is just exist from day to day. Is that life? <laughs> Definitely not. I don't know, mate. It, it's hard to get your head around. I think when I think because I, I think I've, I've thought so differently from those around me for so many years, for a long, long time now, and it's it's hard even now it's still hard to conceptualize what what's actually happened to everything and everybody it's just it's just mental it really is but then you've got to think well who's doing it what life do these people who enforce this onto civilization 
what kind of life do they have then? Do, do they have a life of more than just existence, 40 hours slaving away and whatever? Is their life just purely thinking of new ways to... To put the crunch on civilization, I don't know. Madness. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I think it's pretty clear at this point in civilization that uh, we're just being extracted for our labor in whatever special, uh, you know, special skills we can, you know, some people obtain and whatnot. But at the at the end of the day, that's really what it's boiling down to. It's just like some human farm. Well, that that this is again, this is where more, you know, it's, it's horrible to think about still think there's more to this farm thing than I cannot, cannot see for what reason, eh? what reason would you have all these millions of people just there, just for their labor to, to do what, for what, what reason it has to be more. And when I think of a farm, the only thing I, that comes to my mind when, when I see the word farm is food and that is a horrible thought. So yeah, I'm not, uh... Yeah, we could definitely speculate a lot of reasons why, but uh, I, I, yeah, I, I'm pretty firm that yeah, there you are being, you know, your energy is being extracted. Whether you, it, what is it beyond building, you know, the you know the, all the edifice of civilization? I don't know, but. Well, it seems pretty pointless, doesn't it, really, when you take a helicopter view? They always talk about progress, don't they? It's progress, and, and they talk about, obviously, we, we can see the technology and, and the way that's gone over the last, certainly since the 1960s, 70s to today, and the way it's, that has actually progressed to, to the Silicon era. When you're taking that helicopter view and, and, and looking at civilization itself, has man really progressed? No, what what's happened is 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 he's gone backwards. To my mind, all all that's happened to man is he's gone backwards and he's been more controlled. So you have to think to yourself, well, why? What what is the purpose for that? And again, old George Orwell has always given his fair share of quotes to explain to explain why that is. So you know, it's it's not the old quote again. Is we do not just destroy our enemies, we change them. That certainly seems to be what's happened over the years, is that, that mankind has been changed. It's not just the control. So we have been changed with with the different methods of education and whatever that have been utilised. Pretty horrible, eh? Absolutely. But you have to, you can't, it's kind of undeniable, isn't it? To, to think, you know, just if, even if you just take the education system and you can see the degradation of the, of the, the quality of you said we we mentioned the grammar and whatever earlier of the people what what it, they were like in the eighteen hundreds early nineteen hundreds you know even my mother's generation my mother could could read and write braille English French yeah there are people today who are bilingual and, and whatever but usually it's you know some have gone to that point through their studies at school then other people have actually just through interest have done that themselves but what we've got to remember is is back in the day back just a few generations ago people were bilingual they were they were taught to a high degree you know to learn latin and and what have you and you think well why would they have removed that and again it just goes back to the same thing again it's to remove that thinking process without doubt you know somebody who can think and read in latin and in english and in what you know whatever german french russian you name it can you imagine the difference that, that society would be if, if they were everybody was bilingual yeah and when you talk about language um 
that also like has an effect on your worldview. Like obviously someone that's a native English speaker versus like a native Russian speaker are going to conceptualize the world, like perceive the world in different ways because their languages, they allow for different ways of, uh, you know, they're just different ways of conceptualizing reality around us. This goes back to, to the thing that some languages don't have the same words or don't have words for a particular word in another language, do they? Or some might have multiple words, like English is quite a good one for having multiple ways of putting forward a, an explanation for something or a, a word for something, a descriptor word for it. And then you might have a, an opposing language, a different language that has no word at all for any of it. But then there's also examples in other languages that, you know, English doesn't have the, word, the way to say it and it's, you're just trying to, you're grasping to translate. So it is, it's, you're right, it does, it, does form you know your, your view your world view or it goes a, a long way to do that something also worth touching on is when we talk about civilization and just what is progress and advancement and you know just keeping people in control it's like at the same time with this progress and advancement like you know this could be viewed as like the best engine ever you know built but it's not being used in a, in a way that is to benefit uh, the entire society instead of a small uh, few, because um, you know all those money they spent on uh, uh, God knows what black helicopter, you know all the helicopters and airplanes and uh, guns and uh, you know I don't even bailing out companies or whatever. It's not like the government ever used any of that money to say, hey, uh, you know, everybody's uh, rent or mortgage for the month of July, you know, that's all paid by us, you know, the government this, this time for all your hard work. You know, that, that is, that has, ne it, like, none of that money has ever been used to, uh, you know, bring people up or help, help them out in those types, in, in, a, in a way like that. No, it's obvious, isn't it? It really is. It's the same as aid. I aid from from one one country to another. What happens to these this aid money? And and you know, you know, states and some of the countries in Europe, the the aid packages for cert, to certain countries are absolutely massive. We're talking billions, aren't we? Billions of dollars. And you think, well, what are they actually hiding here? You know, that's your money, yesterday that you earned, <laughs> and it's been they using it, <laughs> right? And, and this is what we're all going. 40 plus hours of work every fuck all the time. And it's like, <laughs> there's just, there never ever is that money used to help you or bring you up in any way. It's not, it, it's the, you know, you keep you under further control. It's depressing. <laughs> it really is. Thinking about it. Yeah. That's why I wanted to have this talk is, you know, I started my job recently. I'm like, it just really hit me. I'm like, holy shit. This is a joke. <laughs> Do people really had not? There's no problem with it, and there's there's some people there at my work. They're working five a.m. till like five p.m. four, five, six days a week. I'm like, you're are you fucking mad? <laughs> there's a there's another old guy there. He could he could be earning more money from his pension, but no, he wants to show up to work every day of the week. I'm like, dude, this this is like this is this is crazy. It's again, this is like another 
programming tool isn't it because I, I don't know how many times that i've heard in you know in my own life in where people who've retired so they, they retire from work at 65 whatever the the age was at the time so 65 say and within especially when we're talking about men as well is that you know they've retired and within sometimes it's within months of them retiring they're dead they've died it's almost like they've give up as though they've had no work gave them um an identity and something to to live for which is pretty crazy to me absolutely crazy but then you're saying the opposite here hold on i'm sorry just keep talking it's all right you so we have all these people going to work and yeah that, that is their life it gives them something to do maybe that's what civilized a lot of civilization is about it actually giving people something to do because we're at the point now where a lot of these people wouldn't have a clue what to do with that and this lockdown what we've just gone through has probably highlighted that because the majority of people have just sat there watching the tv and not made use of that time some have made use of the time with their families but i was answering some questions quick somebody's uh, he's looking for his kid But my bad, could you just uh, repeat what you said really quick? Yeah, I'd say I was I was saying that people people retire and they basically oh. give up, don't yeah, they? Yeah, to me... Yeah, because, because they used to work. Go yeah, on. they used to work, and um, I mean, some of these people, they don't even have families, so they have, there's like almost no purpose or meaning to their lives, and work is like the only thing that gives it meaning, so they they keep just going to work. And you know, like you said, like all of them, they stop working. Now they 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 feel like they have no more purpose to live anymore. And uh, yeah, you know that that's uh, it's sad that uh, people have been brought to that type of uh, stage. Well, especially when you think think that you know it's not in every case, but a lot of people when they retire, you know, a lot a lot of them who have worked in a certain profession and maybe to to a certain you know a manager level or something like that you know over the years a lot of them have probably had fairly good pensions and what to retire on and you think of people who've done that you know maybe going on cruise kind of thing and enjoying the twilight of their life you know traveling and and whatever else and don't get me wrong there are people like that but then i'm people i know who, who have had good pensions and they have just give up They've just give up because they don't have that. The life has been taken away from them. And then, of course, there's the flip side of that as well: is that there's people who retire and they've the pensions are worth nothing because they've been robbed by the banks and whatever else of their of their pensions, and they've got to survive on a state pension or whatever else. So yeah, they might as well just give up there and then. It's just crazy, isn't it? The the whole situation seems crazy to me. And then you said living in the twilight zone it's like yeah after we just squeeze you for four you know 40 plus hours a week for your labor you know once you're kind of rolled and withered up like a raisin then you, yeah go then you can go enjoy yourself a little bit <laughs> if if your pension came through and you weren't unlucky exactly yeah <laughs> or if you was really unlucky and sent to a flipping nursing home and put on a non-resus order like like the thousands of people that were done at least done in the UK over the last few months and uh, have all been seen off, which is not good at all. So uh, showing you something about what's yeah. uh, our wonderful civilization and the, the authorities and
and think about old people today. In the civilization. Not very civilized. Yeah, the civilization mm. managers. <laughs> mm, we want the population at this level. Mm, yeah, we want our population to be of this, you know, average age. And I mean, with the, with the internet and uh, smartphones and all of that, that uh, computer models and simulations, uh, all, all of this is more possible than ever and probably is going on. And I'm, and I'm sure the control is just going to keep going further. To, to fear it or not is, you know, I guess one's choice. But, it, you know, when you look at the last 200-something years or so, it, it, it's, it's basically inevitable. Certainly seems that way. And as I say, if you if you listen to old Mr. Johnson's uh, speech, he tells you quite categorically what the plans are, what's in store for, for everybody. So the United Nations is wonderful. Believe me, it really is. They've got everybody's best interests at heart. And and as you said, they have to use the children. So, you know, wait till the, the kids now and all the smartphone generation get, uh, you know, once they get a bit older and they start having kids, it's uh, all, all the the psychic ground, like the men, their, the mental fabric has been formed enough to uh, usher in all the new updates. You know what I mean? That's why it's called kindergarten or whatever. You know, they have to get their minds and the seeds in in order get get the soil ready for all uh, what's going to grow out of it going back to the old jesuit sign again aren't we and give me the give me the was it give me the child that's what is it the age of seven or whatever <laughs> from four to the age of seven mental anyway do you want to call it a day before we get before we get cut totally yeah, depressed, <laughs> civilization. <laughs> maybe we'll uh, see what the next time we talk. Maybe they'll have uh, pulled the next cat out of the bag for us. I'm sure they might see something, something else new to to discuss. So yeah, yeah, some things, new things may come to light. So yeah, thanks for joining me, and I'll, I'll promise to download the the call now to make sure that I don't uh, lose it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so thanks, mate. No problem. Glad to be here. I'll stop the call now.
Cause we've gone and you think it's all over This pandemic is going nowhere Bill Gates tracking and tracing your asses No exception, no exception Vaccine damage never spoken Not autism Brain damage And I find it kinda funny I find it kinda sad The reality that I live in Is all I ever had I find it hard to tell you I find it hard to take When people believe bullshit It's a very, very Mad world Mad world They're forcing the day you pass away Die with Covid Not of Made to feel that you are on your own It's not true I'm here too So you found out war is a theatre History is false Your history is a hoax Every teacher spreading false nonsense Political correctness Greta's curse And I find it kinda funny Sad. The reality that I live in is all I ever had I find it hard to tell you, I find it hard to take When people believe bullshit it's a very mad I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum.